This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Today, we're going to be talking about teen grief and the use of teens of the Internet in relationship to grief, loss, hope, and healing. So our guest today is going to be Dr. Eileen Cupid, and Eileen is a professor of human development at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. She also co-edited Dying Death and Grief in an Online Universe, and she founded Camp Lloyd for Grieving Children and Adolescents. And as you know, Mom, she was president of the Association for Death, Education, and Counseling from 2012 to 2013. Welcome to the show, Eileen. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. It's great to have you on the show, Eileen, and what an important topic. Uh, You know, Huddy and I were talking about it today, about the Internet, particularly Facebook. I mean, we recently had a colleague die, and we both found out about it on Facebook. Well, and Eileen knows who the colleague was. It was Darcy Sims. So it was very weird to go onto Facebook. Oh, yeah, I went onto Facebook. I'll never forget. Early in the morning, you know, I got up at like 6.30, and all I see this post that she had died. And I was totally stunned and had no well, idea. Well, I'm stunned, you know. too, so this is the way I find out is on the phone with old technology. Wow. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. I will tell you, I'm teaching my death, dying, and loss class, and so I've been talking about the influence of the um, Internet and particularly social media with my students. And I asked them how many of them have learned about the death of a friend via Facebook and asked them how they felt about it. And every single one of them said that it was an absolutely horrible way to learn about it. And I think that there are some emergency workers that when they come to the scene of an accident, one of the things that they do ask the witnesses and people around is to please hold off posting things on social media until the family has been notified. Because as as difficult as it is for us, to get these kinds of notifications. Could you imagine if it was a loved family member and this is how you learn about this? You know, the Internet is a wonderful thing and it's a horrible thing, as we all know. Well, let me tell you a little story about a family that I was working with or, or met. They actually got in touch with my husband and I. They just wanted to come and talk to us about the situation. Their daughter, a six year old daughter, was killed in an accident in Mexico. And by the time they got home, to the Bay Area, their son had texted everybody. The whole community knew about it. She did not know that he told people, and she, you know, really didn't think about the Internet. She was in shock about her daughter and trying to get her body back home. Well, when they got to the community, she was horrified. People were calling her. There were, you know, people at her house. There There was press. People wanted to talk about it. But she said over the long run, it was great because everybody knew. It just kind of speeded up the process. But maybe that's the problem. Maybe we're speeding up the process too much with the Internet. Well, I think part of it is is, is the rapidity with which this happens. I think part of it also is the fact that unlike other forms of communication, the Internet, using social media, is infinitely replicable so that you lack control over who has privy to this information, how rapidly it goes, and where it goes to. And I think in a time particularly with regard to death, you you know that one of the predominant 
feelings that people um, experience is a sense of helplessness that, you know, it, it helps to feel that you have some control over the information. Yes, it could be a boon that everybody knew that, but to to come home and to, to know that everybody knew right. and you weren't aware of that just, you know, fosters that, that lack of sense of control. And I think that, you know, the bottom line is that people have to have some common sense. You know, we talk about netiquette all the time. We need to teach people that, yes, communication via social media is, is a good thing, but you need to respect the wishes of the family, too, and find out, first of all, what is it that they want to see happen and when. Um, and then you can go from there. Well, so. now, now let me ask you this. I mean, how are we going to teach kids this? Teens, we're talking about teens. I mean, they are putting everything, every thought, every feeling, everything online. How are you going to get to them to say, you know, have some consideration? Well, I, I guess the best thing is when when teens do find out about somebody dying and they find out via Facebook, like everything else with teenagers, communication and open communication is the key. Just finding out from your teen when they come and they go, Mom, you'd never believe what I found out on Facebook. You know, so-and-so died. You know, of course, you're going to talk about those issues with them if they feel free enough. And then you're going to say, well, how did it feel to find out this way? And more likely than not, they're going to say, like, crap, and then say, well, you know, just keep it in mind if you ever find out some, you know, something like that. Think about that before you post it on Facebook. The schools, when they disseminate information, for example, if there's, unfortunately, a school shooting or an accident, they could also, when they send out notification, you know, say, please refrain from posting this on to social media until the family's wishes have been respected. That's the best that you can do. But at least it'll, you know, educate well, them that way. In this case, it was the family who did it, <laughs> the son. And I think it's interesting, Mom, because it's a gen- it's a generational difference. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents didn't grow up with all this technology 24-7. For the kid, it was probably not, you know, that big a deal to post something like this because that's so much how teens are communicating nowadays. It's through right. the Right, they don't like to talk Facebook. on the phone. Just right. so you know that, yeah, they're right. they're not. Eileen, I, I have a sixteen-year-old, so I, so yes, I do totally. They would rather yes text us, like you said, than talk on the phone. It's oh, absolutely. Or with my kids, in. who are I have a twenty-seven-year-old and a thirty-one-year-old, I have mm-hmm. to text them to make a phone appointment with them. So <laughs> you know, before you can talk on the phone with them, you have to text them and find out if they're available to talk or if they're in the mood to talk. Um, you know, you just can't spontaneously call anybody. I know. Anymore. I'm a texting grandma. Right. Well, then you're you're <laughs> a whippet grandma. But I will tell you that, you know, it's a different way of operating. And um, I just think my my mission is to tell anybody who's working with adolescents to be savvy about what is going on and to you know it's it, it they have an obligation to know uh what is going on on the now, now i have to say another thing about this uh, young man who he was getting support from his community by by texting his friends that his sister had been killed mom said she was very upset with him at first but she does have to realize that that's where the kids are getting support well, well mom that's what i was going to ask eileen eileen what do you see as the positive aspects of technology when it comes to grief and loss? 
Oh, there's many. I mean, I, I, I think one is more than anything else. It's, it's a form of social support. Okay. And it's a form of social support, um, independent of the prying eyes of, of adults. And you know that teens really need to have their own special place that they go where they feel like they're not being judged by adults. And I think that that's, place where they can really feel free to communicate with one another and provide social support. There's research that also shows that a lot of teens communicate with the person who has died. You know, if the <laughs> Facebook page of the deceased teen has been memorialized, what that means is that if Facebook has been notified that there's been a death, what they will do is they will... Um, they will kind of freeze the page. You can't add new friends, but the existing friends can continue to post on the home page. And a lot of them will post things on the home page, uh, not only communicating with each other, but they'll communicate with the person who has died. And they'll say things like, I miss you so much. I hope you're having, I know this sounds, you know, kind of funny, but I hope you're having a good time up in heaven. We miss you down here. And what they're doing is somehow they're continuing that bond. They're maintaining that relationship with that person. It also gives them an opportunity to write and kind of process what this means for themselves and what this story is about. You know, us grief people always talk about meaning making. What about the human connection? What about the hugging and kissing and crying? And do you think that uh, sometimes if you tell your story, then you think you've told it to the world, you're not going to be able to then process it with them? Is there any risk of that? Well, of course there's a risk of that. Um, that's the downside. But quite honestly, I think that those that feel that they really need it will find it with their friends. You know, they get together, they have these candlelight vigils, and you can mm -hmm. certainly encourage that. But there are also a lot of teens who do not want to be singled out. They don't want it. They don't want their grief to show. They're not going to show it. They're going to say, I'm fine. They're going to be very private about their grief. You know that teens feel, you know, these losses very, very intensely, but they're so super self-conscious that, you know, they feel that they're the only one who's feeling this way, that they don't want to be weird. And so they're locked in their own personal, you know, hell that at least at two o'clock in the morning in the dark of the room with, under the glow of the monitor, they, they're communicating to somebody. So, and I um, mean, they can also go on and look at what other people are writing correct. and say, you know what, I, I'm not so weird or strange. This is actually normal what I'm going through. Other people are correct. going through this too. Mm -hmm. Correct. So it does help to normalize. So, so what I'm thinking is if uh, I'm a, a mom or a dad or a family member of a, a teen who's had a, a death in the family, I should not be afraid for them to go on the Internet. I think there's some fear of people, oh, Facebook, you know, the, the kids are doing that. Do you, don't you think there's a little fear connected with it from adults? Well, of course. Because you hear all these horror stories and, you know, some of, you know, there's always truth in those things. I, I think, what you need to do is sit down and have a conversation. Telling you kids, I'm not going to get on Facebook. I know you don't want to friend me, but just tell me, what is it? What social media sites do you go on? You know, what, what are you getting out of it? You know, these are the things that I think it's important for you to be aware of and to be careful about. 
Um, you can't tell them enough times. Don't give out your full name to strangers. Don't put your phone number down. You have to tell them. And, of course, they're going to go, I know, Mom. I know, Mom. But they don't. They need to hear it. You know, they do know it for the moment, and then it goes out the window. Um, well, it is true, Eileen. And they even need to hear it when they're when they're gaming. Because, I, like I said, I have a teenager, and when he games, he, he can he can he put a headset on and hook up to all these friends that he's met on the Internet, and I have to have these conversations, like you said, on an ongoing basis. I think it is so important. Well, we you know, we now know, neurologically speaking, that the um, impulse control areas of the brain are not really well developed. So, you know, how, you know, think back to the time when you were a teen, when you did stuff against your own common sense. You'd hear your mother's or father's voice in the back of your head, and you'd go and do it anyway. Um, we still even do that as adults. We don't listen to our, our inner voices, and it gets us into trouble. So it's it's important that they hear it over and over again. But the, the, the most important thing, and this is with so much with being involved with teens, is to, is to foster trust. So if you tell your kid, I'm not going to be snooping, in your email or on the internet, if that's important to you, you really have to follow through with it because you need to engage that trust. And once they trust you, then you have to have these continuous conversations with them and keep those lines of communication open. Um, a lot of teens now, the big thing is to post a selfie at the funeral, okay? Um, and tell people what a selfie on- is so they know. A selfie is a picture of yourself, you know, that you hold up the camera, you take a picture of yourself. Now when they go to a funeral, they'll take a picture of themselves standing in front of the coffin. Now, folks from my generation would go, that's ghoulish, that's egocentric, and that is incredibly disrespectful. Um, my sense, from what I understand about what's happening with posting all of this kind of stuff on social media, is it's almost as if the event doesn't happen unless... It has been posted somewhere. So if you have a latte and you want to, you know, you haven't really drunk that <laughs> coffee unless there's a picture of it on Facebook. I think, right. you know, I'm, I'm I'm being facetious here, but I think that... No, it is true. Yes, yeah, see, it is kind of like seeing is believing. But I want to say one thing on that point, and that is for some people, my mother used to carry a picture of my dad in the coffin around. I thought it was very bizarre. But I think for her, she, I said, I can't believe you carry that. And she said, it brings me comfort. So let's say different things for different, you know, different strokes for different folks or whatever. But I think you're right about this. And thank you so much for all the information you've given us about teens and uh, the Internet. Now, tell us, are there other things that you would like to talk about? Like, well, tell us about your book and where we can get it, Dying, Death, and Grief in and online universe, which has a lot of wonderful chapters in it. One of them has Open to Hope, and uh, I assume we get that off of Amazon? Um, You can get it from Amazon. It's published by Springer. Thank you. All right. Okay, and then how about Camp Lloyd for Grieving Children? Is that something that people could sign up for or look into? Um, it's, it's a day camp, so please come to Green Bay. It's one week during the summer. It's an awesome experience. Um, there's a, a website for Camp Lloyd if you want to look at it, and it's linked to the University of Wisconsin Green Bay um, homepage website. Um, and um, certainly, if you know you can manage to get to Green Bay, it's one week um, in June. Camp is going to be June 22nd, June 26th, and it's an awesome camp.
All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for asking. I really appreciate that, too. Yes. Well, Heidi, what an interesting show and what a lot of uh, great ideas Eileen had about talking to kids and, and, you know, feeling that uh, Facebook is here and it's going to happen, right? Right. I think this is so important. As Eileen said today, the Internet's not going anywhere. It's just going to get stronger. We are in an age of cyberspace. We're in this age, and we've got to know what's going on and have our pulse on what's going on with this generation. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. Uh, and. Heidi and I always say, if you've lost hope, lean on ours till you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.